Hello, I'm Dean. And I'm Jen. And I'm Eric. And together we're RCSD Pod PD. Okay, we would like to uh, begin by respectfully acknowledging that we are on Treaty 4 territory, traditional lands of the Nehewak, Nakaway, Nakoda, and homeland of the Métis, Lakota, and Dakota. Hi everyone and welcome back to another RCSD Pod PD. We are so excited to highlight another one of our very own connected educators, Sophie Bresciani. So welcome Sophie, we're so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'll do a quick introduction. Uh, my name is Sophie Bresciani. I teach at Sacred Heart Community School. I teach grade 5-6. This is my second year in this position. Prior to that, I was a TL. Um, and so a couple of my focuses in the classroom or areas of passion for me would be literacy, of course, as well as decolonizing the classroom, uh, creating a trauma-informed resilient space, and using the thinking classrooms model. Well, that's awesome. I think you're going to bring a lot of great um insights into our conversation today. So the first question we'd like to start off with in our spotlights is why did you end up becoming a connected educator in the first place? Why did you kind of make that move towards this tech world? Well, I always like to use a lot of tech as TL and integrate um, in my lesson plans when I was teaching prep or in the library, you kind of are almost the keeper of like the databases mm -hmm. and how to find things. And I think that uh, research and everything is, is great to do online. So that was kind of where I started to like dip my toe, if you want to say, into the waters of um, EdTech. Uh, as TL, I worked with a lot of classrooms which were already connected. So I didn't see the need myself to become a connected educator because I had access to devices through the students. Um, I didn't need to bring my own set. They had theirs already lots of times. Um, and I couldn't justify taking a cart from a classroom when I was not in the classroom. So I never applied until I'd finished my first year in the classroom. So that makes me a first year connected ed this year. Um, and I really feel working, you know, at Sacred Heart, we have a lot of youth that have challenges they face. And I think they can see ways to make a difference through um, ed tech. They can build a future for themselves. They can uh, connect with others around the world. And they're already using social media and technology all the time. And it's mm -hmm. nice to be able to kind of guide that a little bit and to support them and give them tools in that regard. So that's kind of what motivated me for it. As well, access to devices. A lot of my students don't have a device at home, so they're missing a few key skills other than maybe on a cell phone. And using a laptop is very different than using a cell phone. And so for what their career goals might be or their schooling goals might be, having that exposure to using the devices every day is, is huge as well. So that was kind of my couple of motivations. That's awesome. Awesome. Nice. Um, so knowing that you are in your second year as a grade five, six teacher, last year being not connected ed, this year being connected ed. So how do you feel that has impacted your classroom? Like, are there some comparisons? There's like some things that you have noticed this year um, that you can do that maybe you couldn't do last year, or I guess maybe even amplify some of the stuff that you're doing? For sure, yes. Um, I think that students are a little bit more likely to try new things now. Um, there's a little bit less permanence, and I find that that connects closely actually to thinking classrooms when they have the erasable 
um, whiteboard they can use. Same with devices. I actually spoke to the students today and I said, how do you, how do you feel about it? I, knowing that I was coming on here, I asked them. And uh, that was actually also what I put in my application is I made the kids record a video saying why I should be a connected ed, not. That's a good my, idea. Um, I like to turn it over to them, get them to do the work for me. Um, no, <laughs> I asked them why like they like it and they said it's way easier to change something in writing, it's way easier to find something out, it's easier to change things up. So I think they're more likely to take risks, which I always like to support if they're going to take risks in their writing or in their learning in a safe environment. Uh, so I find that that's been the biggest change in terms of what I see just in classroom culture, let alone in the learning, um, is that they're a little bit more positive. They're very much sharing students. So, hey, I found this. I'll send you the link. Uh, that kind of thing is really, really nice to see. So just in terms of classroom culture, it's made an impact. For learning, it has made a big difference, too, in that there's a little bit less of that idle downtime. They always have something they want to hop on, whether it's Prodigy or something else that they can fill their spare few minutes with and any extra minutes that can go towards, you know, learning. It's always great. Um, so that kind of has been a positive impact too. I will say for me, it feels right now like I'm doing a lot of substitution using the technology as opposed to anything crazy innovative, um, but that might just be where I am in my journey right now. And we'll be working to kind of improve upon that as a connected dead as I go. Um, but there's fun stuff that we're doing too, like Minecraft in the classroom, which you could never do without it being a connected ed before. So. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, I remember my first year as a connected educator and you feel like you want to do it all. You feel like you need to do it all because I have these devices. I need to be taking full advantage of them. And back then, Jenna Rodriguez was my, my coach and she's like, no, 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 hold your horses here baby steps because otherwise you're going to get overwhelmed you're going to get burned out when things don't work you're going to want to quit so take your baby steps try things out and once you gain more confidence next year Sophie I know you're going to go okay yeah I, I get this now I'm going to try this new and then next thing you know that's when you start really seeing some of those risks being taken professionally for yourself using the devices because if you do, try to do it all this year and it fails you're going to be overwhelmed and go, you know what, that was a failure. That was a headache. It's not worth it. I'm done. Right. And as you know, someone who incredibly supports the connected ed program, we don't want you to be done because <laughs> right. we know the benefits for it in the classroom. So don't don't try to speak negatively of yourself for what you've done, because those you guys don't know this that are listening, but we had a pre chat before. And Sophie, you're doing a lot of amazing things, amazing things. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> well, and to piggyback on that, and from what Sophie was saying before, too, you're putting the kids in mind, too. You talked about the digital divide. So if you go right to something like redefinition, and these kids haven't even, you know, wet their, dipped their toes into it, they're going to be lost. So I really liked where you're meeting the kids where they're at. So that's perfect, uh, you know, where are at. And that's the nice thing about Sam, where you can jump up and down the pool and go deeper and then uh, pedal back and go back to substitution. But uh, some of the things that you're doing are just uh, amazing to hear. Like, I don't know if a lot of people know what Prodigy, uh, Prodigy is. I kind of heard of it a little bit, but I haven't uh, really heard too much about it. Do you mind expanding on what that is a little bit? Yeah, uh, Prodigy is uh, like an online role-playing game, I guess. Like, if you've heard of MMORPGs before, I think that's what they're called. Um, but they, so they create a little character that can cast spells to defeat monsters and they level up, um, but they can't cast a spell until they've completed math questions or actually Prodigy just opened an English side as well. Yeah, I love it. 
And I'm a big literacy person, so that's got me jazzed, and the kids were really excited about that too. Um, so I like to use that if I have a split grade, and split grade math can be a challenge. So if we ever have a few minutes of downtime where maybe my grade fives are done and I'm working with grade sixes, I'll just say, you know, you can take five, ten minutes and hop on Prodigy for a bit. And so they love doing that. Um, you can adjust it to where your students are at as well. So I have a few students that are working a few grades below, which is typical in our community schools, but I also think typical in every school now mm -hmm. um, and you, I just adjust what their expectation is you can assign homework and like I said a lot of my students don't have access to like a laptop or like a desktop computer at home but they will have a tablet or maybe a phone or parents phone or siblings phone and so I will say I'm putting a challenge up on uh, Prodigy this weekend and anybody that competes in the challenge gets you know an entry for a prize on Monday or what mm -hmm. have you and so they like to jump in and do that it's it's nice to hear them come, I'm, I'm level 38 now, and it really doesn't mean that much to me because <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I know that they're excited about it, and that's mm -hmm. what's important is getting well, them. That's a, that's a great example of gamification, mm -hmm. and it also sounds, though, that you're using game-based learning, which is like Minecraft. What what are some of the cool things you're doing in Minecraft? Because that gets my uh, mojo going for sure. <laughs> I like Minecraft for social studies. Um, I know you helped me out a little bit with that last year, Dean, as well, was Minecraft for education to do build their own city. Uh, what are the things that a city needs to run when we talk about the people in our community that are important for us? Um, and we actually did a persuasive writing unit at the start of the year. What would you change in your school? And then that expanded to what would you change in your community? And who could they write a letter to, to how they would like to change the community? A lot of our students identified wanting stuff that they could do, like an access in their neighborhood that wasn't for grown-ups. So they were interested in opening a movie theater in North Central or a bowling alley. Um, something that they could go do with their friends and so a skate park was another big one that they requested and so I said we're gonna build our perfect neighborhood in Minecraft and so it took a really really long time I always underestimate how long it takes to build a world in Minecraft it takes <laughs> forever um, but a few kids and a few kids didn't even get to that stage a few just got to the sketching stage um, on paper I did it old school um, on paper to begin with um, and a few made it, a few got all the way through, a few only got part, part of the way through, but we will be doing another project later on in the year. And I just figured it was nice to get started, a nice extension for the students that were really into it, so. Well, that's redefinition for sure. Yeah, yep. absolutely. absolutely. Um, so you've talked about a few things. I think maybe we'll uh, circle back to our uh, pre-recording conversation, Sophie. So you have um, an interesting project coming up that a lot of people may not be aware of. Did you want to share that? Sure thing. Um, my class will be participating in a digital book club with a class from St. Kateri with Miss Larson. Uh, we're going to be doing the Speaking Our Truth digital book club, which was created by Jen and Eric. Um, <laughs> And I think you guys were saying you originally did it on Skype and did it on, was it KidBlog that you used? Yeah. yeah. So from what we can tell, KidBlog doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's a different program now. And so we were thinking about maybe using EduBlogs, but now we're maybe leaning towards using Teams uh, so students can see in the feed um, in their general tab in Teams. Um, what everybody has been posting as opposed to, as opposed to having to click over to each other's blogs. Um, we're going to meet on Teams 
once a week and then have some breakout rooms for each book club to kind of visit with each other and just chat a little bit about the work that they did, what they saw their classmates did or their other book club members and their reactions to the book. So that's kind of our plan after February break, which will take us almost all the way to Easter, which is so great. So thanks you guys for making that because that saves me a lot of planning. <laughs> Well, and I think for people that might be listening that don't know, so a digital book club runs basically the same as a book club that a typical book club. However, you flatten the walls and you include other people. So by turning your book club digital, you can then have um, groups of students at various different schools. I know one year, Eric and I got a little carried away and I think we had what, how many classes were was in that one, Eric? Eight? Oh, yeah, there was lots. One year we got a little carried away and we had about eight classes involved in a book club. Um, That was a little much, but um, it gives the students an opportunity to share some perspectives and ideas about a book that aren't just in the same classroom. So therefore they're coming from different demographics. They're coming from different backgrounds and it allows, I think, for a much richer conversation about these books and especially the one you're doing right now speaking our truth which is all around a lot of the um indigenous topics um and indigenous history um in those books so I think it's it's very uh worthwhile conversation for students no matter where they attend school to um engage in those conversations so yeah yeah I was initially very nervous to to join with Jillian because I worked at St. Kateri before and I know that those are some really, really high achieving students. They're very hardworking mm-hmm. students. Not that my class isn't also hardworking and achieve uh, very high in achieving, but they are um, sometimes a little bit behind in learning because they have gaps. And so I did get a chance to speak to my students and say, you will have knowledge that maybe some of these students won't. Mm-hmm. When you look at the demographics, I'm 60 to 70% um, Indigenous in my classroom and so there's cultural knowledge that they have that they can share and so you know when it comes to an academic you know spelling test maybe they wouldn't Mm -hmm. achieve as well not that we do spelling tests anymore anyway but uh, in terms of the cultural knowledge I think they'll have a little bit to bring in we'll have an opportunity to share what they know and I did give them a little bit of a heads up that maybe these students have never heard of smudging or Mm -hmm. maybe they don't know as much about residential schools as you do or about the sacred hoop as you do and so you can share about those things yeah absolutely I think one thing that I like too is that with ed tech um like Jen, we created this, uh, what, like four years ago now? And yes. And now you can take that same thing that we created and using different platforms or different, um, I guess, programs or whatever you want to do, you can, you can pretty much change it completely to fit whatever, like your students, you can make it fit your situation. Um, so it's kind of, I kind of like that, that um you're you're changing kind of all the stuff that we used um i would be really interested to see how it turns out yeah me too i'd love to follow along (laughs) well i will keep you guys in the loop and you know what's great about it too is you can make it as big or as small as you need it to be yeah absolutely that's awesome well so um was there something like um that you've learned You've, you mentioned lots of resources and but and, and lots of good things, but is there like a tip that you'd give to a teacher that wanted to become a connected educator or somebody that's maybe new to listening to this and they're like, what was something that Sophie would say that to kind of get uh, 
get people either more comfortable with using the technology or the kids or that type of a thing? Uh, don't overestimate what your students already know um, would be one of the things that I would suggest and I'm sure you guys have heard that before but um, when we talk about the different types of media literacy that you can have um, just because they know how to use a phone doesn't know they doesn't mean they know their way around a laptop uh, they're very very different skill sets and so I had anticipated in September walking into a classroom of kids that knew what they were doing and they didn't even know how to save a word document thank goodness for autosave but then you, you're up to like document 29 by the second <laughs> and that's no good especially for me trying to get marking done um, and so OneNote has been a great savior for that thing for those kinds of things but also just don't um, I would say don't overestimate what your students are able to do. Really, it's okay to go back to basics. And I guess echoing what Jen had said earlier too, one of the things that really put it into perspective for me, feeling like I wasn't able to do everything for these um, students in terms of connected ed, is I am a big reader, I'm a big literacy person. I have so many books that I would love to do as a read aloud or in book clubs with these kids and I would never ever expect myself to read every single book that I like with my class in one year. It would be impossible even if we read every minute of every day and it's, I think it's the same with ed tech is you can't do everything, you can't do it all in one go. And so I've decided to just kind of take what my passion areas are in terms of education and explore ed tech through that lens. And so, for example, Microsoft Reflect, which is an add on for teams where students can give you a reaction to how they're feeling um, every day. Um, I'm a big social emotional learning person. I'm a big trauma informed uh, classroom person. That's kind of my big passion. Um, I'll have students do a check-in on Teams every morning where they pick the emoji that shows how they're feeling and then it gives them a list of words that they can choose. It's kind of like a virtual mood meter um, and so I'm a big fan of that. Uh, that's something that's important to me so that's something I've integrated in my classroom which allows me to do a check-in with kids even if I'm not able to catch them one-on-one -on, -one on their way in the door. I can still know how they're feeling and even if they don't make it to school sometimes they're able to let me know what's going on mm -hmm. in their world. So um, I've kind of picked the areas that are important to me or a big passion for me is education and explored ed tech from through that lens and from that perspective and then you know as time goes on as I get more comfortable with those things I'll gradually add in more and different areas but for now that's kind of what works for me that's awesome. that's awesome I know when I like when I was a connected ed it was the same like I kind of picked like Jen said the stuff that I um that I knew I liked and I wanted like for like let's say digital portfolios. This is the program that I was using and I wasn't going to kind of deviate from that. And then mm -hmm. each year, just for myself, I always just tried one thing, one thing new. Yeah. Um, and I always wanted to try at least one thing new throughout the year. And that was pretty much my only goal. So same as you, like I would try like Minecraft for, for a project or one year was co-spaces. Um, one year was uh, podcasting. So um, I think you're on the right track. Like and, uh, and if you feel like you're only sitting in the substitution, um, I don't think that's the case. So I think a lot of people can uh, benefit from what you're doing in your classroom. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I think too. Oh, sorry, John. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I know too. Um, just not being afraid. Like not. Don't let the unknown hold you back. Mm -hmm. Right. So don't be afraid to let the kids learn alongside with you. I know a lot of time or at the start, I was scared to try something new because I'm like, I don't know that program. I'm not, I haven't had time to play with it. I haven't had time to figure it out. 
but sometimes the kids love the fact that you don't know. Right. And they love the fact that they can figure things out and show you how to do it. And it, it teaches your students that, guess what, we're vulnerable to. We don't yes. know all the answers. And, and that is a huge thing in building relationships and building culture in your classroom. We actually spoke about that last week on RCSD Thinks podcast. Trying <laughs> out the thinking classroom, as I said, just go for it. Because if you make a mistake, um, it's okay to say to the students, I don't know where this is going. This didn't work out. What can we do to fix it? Like you said, they like to see, see that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, one more thing I'd like to try this year would be podcasting with students. Eric mentioned podcasting. I'd love to yep. pick your brain on that. Absolutely. Um, I've wanted to start a, well, I haven't wanted to. I've been thinking about starting our RCSD student reading podcast Mm. where we would read a novel every month. A group of four or five students would come on the podcast and discuss their experience of the book. Um, So my class did the Barren Grounds Global Read Aloud in September with a school from Creemore, Ontario. And we would meet on, um, actually on Zoom, sorry, Microsoft. And uh, we would chat about the book every week but then they would also do a flip grid every week and respond to each other answering you know a little bit deeper of a question about the novel um, and they would come up with questions for each other and so I kind of was inspired by that thinking if we had a podcast like there are tons of people reading Barren Grounds right now because it's a global read aloud it would be great if we could do a podcast 30 minutes of students talking about their experience of the book and what they thought of it and they might insp- kids would like to hear other kids talk about what they're reading um, and, you know, it wouldn't have to be just my class. I would start with my class, but maybe it'd be fun to travel around the division and speak with kids about what they're reading in their classroom or outside of school. And when they've read the book, they might want to take a listen to it. So that might be something I'd try and do before the end of the school year. That might be something I'd like to. Maybe, maybe you piggyback it onto your book club. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, um, Dean, Jen, do you guys have anything else that you'd like to add? Thank you. This has been awesome. Thank <laughs> you so much, Sophie. Thanks, and Sophie. I knew I knew you'd be amazing. Uh, don't ever sell yourself short. But uh, you're. This is such a good talk, and I know uh, if anybody listens to this, they're going to get lots out of it. I know I have. I've got pages of notes again too, mm-hmm. just like I did last week listening to you. you. You've got a lot to share and offer. Thank you. I need a call with you every morning, Dean, because you're like, you build me up every time I talk to you. Uh, I'm just like it's, pretty, it's pretty easy to do. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, you guys. And I will be contacting all of you to pick your brains on some of the ideas we discussed today. Absolutely. Together. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to RCSD Pod PD. Until next time, let's stay connected. <laughs>